Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Welcome into Hook, Line, and Splitter, episode 7, presented by NJR Home Services. Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Pleasant good afternoon, everybody. I'm Greg Jambarisi with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services, your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to at the ballpark. Visit NJRHomeservices.com. Good episode today. We talk with Blue Claws right-handed pitcher Noah Skiro. Noah from Liberty University. Grew up in Canada. Big Blue Jays fan. We'll get into that. Roy Halladay fan especially. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. He ended up at Liberty in Virginia and then went through a, an ordeal on draft day last year. Thought he might get picked. Didn't get picked. Remember, the draft was only five rounds. So the next morning, uh, he gets calls beginning at 9 o'clock in the morning or 8.58 really from the uh, from the Phillies and many other teams. Said he heard from about 20 teams and ends up getting signed. Uh, chooses the Phillies of all the spots that he had the opportunity to go play and chooses Philadelphia. And now he's with the Phillies. We talk about his call from Joe Girardi a little bit later on as well. Uh, and off to a really good start with Jersey Shore. Through his first 15 and a third innings, just eight hits, two runs, and he has struck out 22 opposing hitters so far uh, this year. No, a 22-year-old right-hander from Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. So he's our guest today in Episode 7 of Hook, Line, and Splitter a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Let's hear from Blue Claws right-hander, Noah Skiro. Our guest today, Blue Claws right-handed pitcher, Noah Skiro, who joins us here this afternoon. Noah, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Uh, so far, so good. How do you think the season's done for you? I mean, pretty well. I can't ask for a whole lot more. Um, I'm pretty happy with how things are going and uh, got a few things I can still work on and keep getting better. So uh, give the folks an idea of your uh, your pitching repertoire out there. Uh, it's a pretty standard four-seam fastball uh, with a change-up slider and a curveball. Um, let's go back to a year ago. Um, obviously, your, your collegiate season gets wiped out, unfortunately. Um, take us through the draft process and what happened right after the draft. Uh, draft night was insane. Um, it, the day went from, um, potentially getting into the beginning of the fourth round to, um, maybe the fifth round to definitely the fifth round to not at all. Um, and then, uh, so that was a bit of a, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, then leading into the, uh, free agency side of it two days later, um, I believe they couldn't call before like 9 a.m. or something. Um, and my phone rang at uh, 8.58 actually with the Phillies. And they're like, my, my clock says 9 a.m. We're good <laughs> to go. Um, and I was on the phone for about 30 minutes. And by 9.30, I had 15 voicemails. Um, so, and then by the end of the day, I had, I think it was like 18 or 19 teams reach out to me on that first day. So it, it was, you know, my phone died three times. Um, it was just absolute chaos. Um, you know, teams calling, checking in, you know, every hour, seeing where I'm at, who I wanted to talk to and just trying to make a decision. So 
who was the person from the Phillies that called first? Oh, man, it's brutal. I can't remember his first name. His last name was Agostino, though. Uh, he's the, the cross-checker and the uh, the area guy in Canada. So um, there's a situation, you know, they put a situation in where there was a cap on the on the, the bonus pool. So it wasn't a situation where the, the, you know, the teams could just bid and whoever offers the high bid, you know, you're, you're probably going to go. You guys as non-drafted free agents last year had a, a, a real modicum of control of the process where all these teams, I guess, right. They had to kind of pitch to you, their vision for you moving forward. So what clicked about what the Phillies were saying, uh, you know, for you moving into, into 2021 and in the future. Yeah. A big thing for me was the ability to start, and to continue as a starter. Um, I didn't want to go somewhere and get thrown into the pen right away. Um, I wanted to have the, the, the flexibility of, you know, starting out as a starter and having that option to go to the pen later. Um, it's always easier to, to transition that way than it is to go the other way and come in as a pen guy and then develop into a starter. Um, and then I just kind of looked at the, the history, the track record of the organization, where they're at um, from a pitching pr prospect standpoint, um, kind of the depth of the organization um, and just, you know, and overall how um, the conversations went with the people in the organization, just like a general feel of like what kind of people they are and, you know, how I was going to be treated as a player. And another big thing too was being an undrafted free agent. How was I going to be treated? Was I going to be treated like, you know, a normal undrafted guy after 40 rounds or was it going to be a little bit bigger, bigger deal, um, with it only being a five round draft and me getting calls in the fifth round, was it going to be, yeah, we see you as, you know, our sixth round pick if we had one versus, you know, we just, here's a plane ticket, come, come play for us kind of thing. Did every team kind of have a, were the approaches when you talked to them or sat through their presentations, were they radically different or were they all kind of on the same track? Um, for the most part, everybody's about the same. Um, there's some differences in, um, pitching philosophy, like the, what the organizations believe in from a development standpoint, obviously everybody has their own ideas of what's correct and what works for most people. But um, from the standpoint of how they came about it, everybody was about the same. So what you get signed, you signed with the Phillies last year and then what kind of happened? Because I know you couldn't really get together or work out in person with them until um, you know, until the fall. So how did you kind of navigate the summer? Yeah. So I had a pretty good setup actually is where I was at. I was staying with my girlfriend's family. So I didn't have to go back across the border and get stuck in Canada. Um, I was up in uh, Doylestown, uh, Pennsylvania. And there's a facility that I had connections with through um, high school baseball, actually travel ball, um, where I was working out in a, a pretty, pretty substantial facility all summer. Um, and into the off season a little bit. Um, so I had, you know, pretty much everything I could ask for all summer, but yeah, after, after I signed, it was, you know, I did my physical in Philly and then after it was, all right, like, Hey, just hang on and we'll see what we can do. Maybe we get you down here some point this year. If not, we'll see you in spring training was kind of the, the message I got. So then did you go to Florida in, in the fall? Yeah. For uh, instructs in October. So, you know, did they kind of, you know, how did they kind of treat it? How did they kind of treat the fall for you guys in general? You know, just kind of see where you are. Um, did they have a, a specific plan for everybody based on, 
what they saw in college or that kind of wanted to get you into their system a little bit and kind of uh, gauge everybody heading into the spring? Yeah, it, it was pretty general. Um, There's a, a lot of grace given to everybody um, with not having the season. Everybody kind of came in that was there and they said, hey, like we're going to we're going to play some games. We're going to throw some pens. We're just going to see where everybody's at. Um, not put a whole lot of pressure on anything or just get you back out on the field and go from there. Um, not really address a whole lot of major issues, considering there was no like nothing really uh, recent to, to to base anything off of. So were you, how anxious were you when you finally got out there on a spring training mound in April? Obviously it had been about 13 months since, uh, you know, since your collegiate season that had unfortunately wrapped up prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was uh, definitely a lot of adrenaline and uh, a lot of nerves. Um, but, you know, after the first, basically after the first bullpen pitch, once I got through my pregame bullpen or whatever, and I faced that first hitter, it was like, nothing it's like we never left um so it, it, i adapted pretty quick got back into the swing of things so we grew up in canada how, how did you end up playing baseball in the first place i actually went to a blue jay game um when i was like six years old and uh i was like i, I want to try that i want to like let me let me give that a shot and so i did loved it and uh yeah i just you know grew up playing little league and some some travel ball and then into uh, more intense travel balls in high school and stuff. And then, uh, you know, got the opportunity to play in college. Who was your Roy? Were you a Roy Halladay guy growing up? Huge. Yeah. Huge Roy Halladay guy. Uh, and now obviously you get to play for the, an organization, um, of course, that he, that he did and pitch on a mound that, that he did. He rehabbed here in the, in 2013. So, have you talked to Ernie Witt? Obviously, he's the the Phillies catching coordinator and, and has been involved in ba- with baseball uh, on the national level in Canada for many years. Yeah, he was up here uh, the other week and uh, got to catch up with him a little bit, um, talk about the uh, the Olympic team and all the all the nonsense that's going on with who can play, who can't play, and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, the first time I uh, I ever met him actually was in uh, I can't remember if it was spring training or instructs, but. Um, yeah, he came over and obviously I know who he was, but the fact that, uh, he came over to say something was, was pretty nice. But they, they're not qual. They still have to go through qualifying, right? And I, I believe they're in qualifying right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how'd you end up at Liberty? So I was actually being recruited to go, to, uh, North Carolina. Um, that was my dream school growing up. Um, so I was reaching out to them. Um, on a one-way basis, pretty much. And then finally, I was starting to, you know, get some interest from them. And uh, it was right up to about where I would expect to get a visit offer. Um, and then everything, it just went dark, didn't hear anything from them. So I thought, oh, you know, my shot's gone. I was, I was a, a late recruit for the most part, especially for a school like North Carolina. They recruit, you know, elementary school kids sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was a junior. I was like, oh, I went – their, their class is already probably full. Like it's no big deal. And then I no longer, no sooner thought that. And I, my phone rang and the recruiting coordinator, Scott Jackson at the time, he called me and he's like, Hey man, um, I know I've been recruiting you to uh, North Carolina. Um, it's going to sound weird, but I really don't want you to go there anymore. Um, Cause I'm now the head coach at Liberty. Uh, I still want you, but to a different school. And uh, I, I'd heard about Liberty in the past and I, you know, 
I'd seen their campus. I'd been there in high school, um, played against them and stuff. And uh, it's hard to beat what they got there, the facilities that they have and the overall school atmosphere. So I was all on board. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a weird route to get there, but I'm happy it all worked out. I was doing a little reading um, a story earlier in the year. So you guys were, you guys were what in West Virginia going to Ohio state when the, when you found out that the season was canceled or vice versa? Yeah, we, we played our midweek at West Virginia and then we were playing at Ohio state that week. So we played on the Tuesday, Wednesday was like an off day travel day to get there to practice on Thursday, or maybe it was a Wednesday to Thursday, but doesn't really matter. But we didn't come home after West Virginia because it's on the way to Ohio state. And, uh, we were, everybody was reading on their phones that this thing was blowing up, like it's not looking good. And uh, we pulled over into a truck stop and our coach got on the, the PA on the bus. He's like, guys, we're pulling over here because uh, the Big Ten is making a decision, hopefully soon, uh, whether we're going to play this weekend or not. Um, and if we go any further, our bus driver doesn't have enough hours to get us home. So we're just going to sit here and wait. And if they call it, we can get home tonight. If they don't, then we can still get there tonight. And we sat there for a good three hours. And then uh, they're like, all right, load up the bus. We're turning around. Um, did, you that, realize that, did you realize that that would be it for your collegiate career? Or did you just think you were going to miss a couple, you know, take a couple weeks off? Uh, we all thought it was going to be a couple weeks, maybe a month at the most. Um, <laughs> and then, then they started saying that we can't even practice. Uh, which, you know, made it a little more real of we're not playing. Um, this is it. And then they canceled Omaha. And then we're like, yeah, this is serious. We're, we're not playing again, <laughs> which is unfortunate. But uh, we at least got one more practice in when we got home. We got one more practice in. It was player-led. The seniors <laughs> got to do whatever we want, like told us what we got to do. So pitchers took BP. Our outfielders were, you know, fielding ground balls. Our infielders were outfielders. We just did whatever we wanted for a couple hours. And like, so we at least, um, we had some baseball after the, the ruling, but unfortunate that it wasn't a game or anything. Uh, just go back to the draft for a second. Did you, did you talk to the Phillies a lot before the draft or, um, or did uh, a little bit they kind of come out of left field? A little bit. Um, I had a meetings with them in the winter. Um, but for the most part, kind of came out of left field. Um, not so much for the free agent. I had free agent teams that came out of left field that I didn't even know they were interested. Um, but as far as the draft itself goes, I, I kind of knew that they were somewhat in the mix. Was that, was the draft, you know, I, I know it's kind of a roller coaster. What was that whole couple day period like, or one day period? Um, it was very overwhelming, um, trying to, to manage all of it, um, and sit there and watch it on TV and just wait for a phone call. Um, every time your phone buzzed, you thought it was something important. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was a, a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> but hopefully one with a, with a happy ending and now off to a great start here with the, uh, with the blue claws. How do you like the, I know that, I know they're really careful with everybody, the piggyback thing, um, you know, you throw your four, does it kind of sharpen you a little bit where you, know, you can kind of go after these guys knowing that 
when you're starting, you're probably only going to face them. You're going to face a hitter no more than twice. And when you're coming out of the pen, you know, the three inning outing, you, you're probably only going to face a guy once, except maybe one or two or three guys. Right. Yeah. It's definitely um, an adjustment for me. Um, more so the, not so much the inning, but the, uh, the pitch count yeah. that they got us on. I mean, it is what it is. I totally understand it and I have no problem with it. I get it. Um, but it's definitely an adjustment for me. Um, you know, I'm used to like, here's the ball games, yours yeah. go as long as you can. Um, you pitch out of a jam. Good for you. You get the next inning kind of thing. But here it's like, you know, there's people with a lot more power making decisions um, about who does what and how long you go. But um, it's definitely, you know, I'm I'm starting to figure it out. Like, hey, I can throw all four pitches right out the gate. Um, I don't have to, you know, keep my cards hidden and bring out another pitch, you know, third time through. But uh, we're getting there. Does it get – is it – do you ever come in the back of your mind like, well, you get in a little jam in the second inning, say, a couple guys on, and you throw, you know, 23 pitches, even if you don't give up a run, like, oh, man, if that pitch was a strike, I'm out of the inning, and now that's going to cost me the fourth inning. Like, is that kind of in the back of your head at all? Not really. Um, when the when an inning really starts to get away from you, and you, you know, you know you're up around 30 because 30 is pretty much the, the, yeah, you can tell, the inning yeah. limit. Then you're like, oh man, like I just want to get out of this clean, um, yeah. and give the next guy a clean inning. And your your primary focus is don't let don't make them put someone in before this inning's over. Right. Um, that becomes priority number one is get out of your own jam. Um, if somebody's going to get into a jam, let it be their own. Don't make them clean up mine too. Um, but you know, it you kind of just. When you're in the moment, you're kind of just throwing, trying to get everybody out. So, and then last question, uh, and we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, Joe Girardi gave you a call right during the. You I did. guess we'll call it, we'll call it the recruiting process. What what was that? Uh, what was that like? What did he tell you? Um, to be honest with you, I can't remember a whole lot of what he said. Um, I was kind of shocked that he called me in the first place, and then he actually knew my name and everything about me. Um, but the only thing I remember is he, he said that. Uh, uh, he hoped that I would sign with the Phillies, that he would one day be able to, to have me on his club and uh, that Philadelphia is a great place to live. That's the only things I remember him saying. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely special. Um, wasn't anticipating that, um, nor did I expect anything like that, but uh, it was definitely a, a nice gesture. Was there like an unknown number that? Uh... Yeah, it just came in said Philadelphia. I was like, oh, it's probably somebody with the Phillies. Who knows? And then I answered it. It's like, hey, it's uh, Joe Girardi. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's awesome. Noah, thank you so much for a few minutes. Really appreciate it. Continued success. I'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Noah Skiro for joining us here on episode number seven of Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to at the ballpark. Visit njrhomeservices.com. So Noah, our guest today, and we thank him very much. He'll be back out there soon for the Blue Claws uh, this season. Before we say goodbye, I just want to do a quick rundown of some upcoming promotions here this weekend at the ballpark. Uh, doubleheader, we're taping this on. We taped Noah last week, but we're taping this, uh, this part here June 9th. And that's when this went live. Doubleheader today with Wilmington after a game that was rained out. 
uh, on Tuesday. Thursday, 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 of course, $2 cores and cores like cans, concourse wide. And in the sandbar, Friday, Girl Scout Family Night, post-game fireworks, one of two fireworks shows this weekend because we'll also have fireworks on Saturday, thanks to Toyota World of Lakewood 705 start on Saturday night with the post-game fireworks. And then Sunday, always a very special day. It is our annual Father's Day celebration, so the Blue Claws will be on the road for Father's Day itself, but uh, we'll celebrate one week early. Uh, if you go to blueclaws.com slash promotions, uh, and go to the Father's Day page on the site. You can get a special ticket offer, $16 Boardwalk Bundle ticket, which includes a hot dog, novelty, ice cream, soda, and Boardwalk game ticket, plus a 20% off coupon in the Claws Cove for Sunday's game. So uh, a lot going on for Father's Day, our Father's Day celebration at the ballpark, and, of course, it's capped by the annual postgame father-child catch on the field, always a big highlight. And then Blue Claws will spend the next two weeks on the road and then finally come back home on Wednesday, sorry, Tuesday, June 29th, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend postgame fireworks after all three of those games, so that should be very exciting. That's July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th when the Hudson Valley Renegades come to town as part of Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend. We have a few more episodes coming up here on this podcast pretty soon. Uh, we talked with Vito Frischa, Blue Claws uh, infielder catcher, uh, earlier uh, yesterday, in fact, so we'll have that one later this week, and then we did a special interview with Billy Bean, the Major League Baseball uh, vice president and special assistant to Commissioner Rob Manfred about Pride Month. Uh, so that I think you guys will get it, will uh, will like that. That was a really great discussion with Billy Bean. So we'll have that one up for you in a couple of days um, as well. That'll probably go Monday or Tuesday once we get through this homestand here. But uh, busy week at the ballpark blue claws will play 12 home games in 13 days that will a stretch that will conclude on sunday with that father's day celebration so we have the billy bean interview coming up we have Vito frisha coming up and then with a two-week break we'll have a few other special uh interviews and stuff that we have on tap so we're not going anywhere this is going to be a great podcast for the whole summer and we thank you so much for tuning in if you want to join us at the ballpark you go to blueclaws.com slash tickets and get your tickets for any re- upcoming blue claws game this season. Hook, Line, and Splitter is a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast that's presented by NJR Home Services, your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to at the ballpark. NJRHomeservices.com. Good evening, everybody. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Enjoy your day, and we'll see you soon here at First Energy Park. Go Blue Claws. <laughs>